welcome to episode 17 of All's Fair in Love and Film, a film review podcast where we review our DVD collection in alphabetical order. I'm Laura. And I'm Ryan. And today we're covering uh, 2018's Aquaman, directed by James Wan. Yeah, uh, absolutely interesting film. from Very uh, from, interesting. From our perspective, because um, it mixes in a little bit of um, superheroes and Jason Momoa, your favorite thing. Oh yeah, I do love superheroes and I do love Jason Momoa. Uh, but what is your history with this film, Ryan? Um, to be honest, I think I first saw this film uh, in theaters with you um, about two years ago, right? Yeah, it came out in 2018 and I'm pretty sure we just saw it in theaters together. And mm-hmm. um, when did we add it to our DVD collection? Because I can't recall. Was that one of our I think it was DVD shop closing down sale grabs? No, I think it might have been like a... Uh, early lockdown purchase i believe i thought we had it longer than that no we haven't had that that long fair enough fair enough uh so yeah i came into this rewatch really really psyched about this movie like i love this movie it was like i love superhero films i loved wonder woman and that as in the new one and um i tolerated justice league um so seeing this it was like Oh yeah, Justice League was like a weak link, as was you know Batman versus Superman. But Wonder Woman was good, and so is this. So I have hope for DC as yet. On a closer rewatch, it doesn't hold up. Not even close. <laughs> I I was in the very much the same boat. I was like, oh okay, this is probably one of the best DC films. You know, just I I just remembered it being that way from this you know yeah, from run this, of the yeah. kind of Justice Leagues but, anyway. But my God, it really really was kind of a hollow watch for me it was like oh wow like like upon really closely looking at it it's just like damn this film is actually quite quite difficult to really give any credence to because it's, yeah, it's I mean, just I so really so enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i really enjoy it as a movie but it is pretty much the definition of all style no substance uh, anyway, before we get any further into our, I'm we have so much time to rant in this uh, and a lot to rant about. So I'm just going to give a brief synopsis. So Arthur Curry, of course, played by Jason Momoa, is a human born and raised half human, half Atlantean who uh, is using his kind of Atlantean powers to like clean up the oceans and stop piracy at the start. But he finds he is the heir to the kingdom of Atlantis and goes to take on the current king, his half-brother, King Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, to uh, prevent a war between the humans and the Atlanteans. And um, that's pretty much it. And there's a, but there's so much added around that like skeleton of a plot that it's, it makes this movie too long and with too many different bits hanging off it. Yeah, there's too many plot elements for this film to actually be a good, enjoyable watch for me. Yeah, like it's it's so convoluted. Like, like it seems like the writers just kind of went into into the thing. Like, oh, let's try to get every uh, like every aspect of um, Aquaman in one single film. It's like yeah. they didn't know if they were gonna get another one. Well, actually, it being the DC kind of cinematic universe that they're trying to build up to rival, obviously, the MCU that's not surprising yeah you know if it flopped it would have been another batman v superman they would have just killed the franchise you know every one of these has to be strong enough to try and like prop up this admittedly struggling franchise and i'm kind of sad about that because i love the dc universe like christian bale's batman is probably my favorite batman and obviously though that set of batman films is incredible and Honestly, Ben Affleck's performance as Batman isn't Bad. terrible. No, I actually think, I think like he works a, as a good he's Batman. He's a good Batman. Yeah, it's just Justice League was like, they rushed into this big ensemble film before they were ready. And we actually have Justice League, so we will get into that more later. And it's the job of films like Wonder Woman and Aquaman to prop up that kind of, not a failure, but pr- pretty much a failure. Yeah, it, I mean, to be fair, it just seems like, to me that they're just they're kind of riding on the whole marvel wave and they're just like oh let's see how we can kind of get away with you know making money out of this rather than yeah. actually making a piece of art yeah i mean I- i'm not trying to belittle like any of the actors or 
or actresses in this film because realistically they're all quite talented and they do yeah. quite quite a good job given the material that they're working with but dear god there's definitely some directorial and 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 write like writing in this yeah. um like writing in this film that is not up to snuff that's going to make i guess not make everyone happy like the, the the fans happy and the investors happy it's just like it, it just seems like this film was purely written for the investors yeah it's i would definitely agree with you there i mean everyone showed up to work everyone did their job and did it well like the performances i have no complaints about it's the whole product it's like the it's dc have sat down and decided they're going to make a comparable product to the marvel cinematic universe but they've spent what five years on it whereas marvel spent 10 years 15 nearly 15 years building this universe and giving us character depth individually into all those characters before weaving them together the superhero movie because of how well marvel have done it has become a really hard thing to emulate yeah to emulate that is exactly the word i'm looking for it's become a really hard thing to emulate so dc trying to emulate it yeah, it's a good movie. And if it had come out before all the Marvel movies and all the MCU didn't exist, it would be a great movie. But it's they're like, oh, no, we're just as good as Marvel. We can do the same thing as Marvel. And to get there, you can tell it's like a rush job. almost. It, it kind of almost seems like, um, you know, the, in the days before like Iron Man came out, you know, like in the days. Yeah. In the days before Marvel, you, like in the Sam, Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man's, they kind of felt like. Like Sam Raimi is a really good director, and I, I do quite like a lot of his films. But I mean, the f- first Spider Man was really good, but the second Spider Man just kind of felt really rushed, really like yeah, like I mean, like not everything was completely there that he's trying to like do something with the studio. It felt like I guess prior to two thousand five, superhero films just kind of felt a little bit off. Like they they, well, they it's just not just that superhero films before Iron Man came out and before the MCU was so successful were just for nerds. They were just for comic book nerds. They didn't have, you know, you know, the huge budgets that we see in like Avengers Endgame nowadays. They were considered fairly niche. Like they're not like a generic action film. They're like a nerd movie. So they're just not a genre that's taken seriously. I mean, had any been any like I don't think any film, any superhero movies before The Dark Knight were nominated for any awards. And The Dark Knight coming out and kind of making the superhero genre into like a much more marketable, viable uh, like product was the reason that there are now 10 nominations for the Academy Awards because they wanted to include this movie. That was The Dark Knight that did that. Like, I don't think The Dark Knight got any awards, but it was like... We wanted to give this film an award so badly that the next year we increased it to 10 nominees rather than, I want to say it was like six or seven before you're, you're, that. You're referring to specifically the Best best Picture. not um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Specifically Best Picture nomination. Yeah. But they were like, they wanted to give the, that film Best Picture, um, but it didn't even get a chance because they were only there were only like five or six nominations at that time. And then because of The Dark Knight was so good. And that for me was when superhero movies became big. And DC is responsible for that. And that's great. But I think they should have just stuck to what they were good at, which is not just Batman movies, but making short series based on one character. Like, three Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Great, fine. They can recast Batman and do three different Batman movies later, that's fine. That's been done a million times. And I like a lot of the different Batman movies, but they could have done the same thing with more DC heroes. But instead, Marvel changed the game, and instead of just continuing on their own game, DC tried to play the same game and have not stepped up to the plate. No, not not even close. It it just it does seem like they've just yeah that they want they they want the product, they want the hype that that when it goes along with the Marvel films, but they don't want to put the work in effectively and yeah well i don't even think it's a desire to not want to put the work in it's that they're playing catch up so much at this point that every film they put out is just like i said it's a rush job so that's why there are so many characters in aquaman that's why there are so many different plot points because they're like right we've got one movie to introduce not only this character but also this villain and also this villain and also this love interest and also this plot 
and then tried to shove it all into one movie so that they can cut those corners and it, it shows like again i'm trying to use this as a segue to get back to talking about aquaman because again i i find this a really interesting topic of conversation and i love using the films and the dates that they came out and the acclaim that they've got as evidence for like why this has happened i love digging into the nitty-gritty of that but it's a debate that's been had a lot a kajillion times yeah. on many different podcasts and in many articles and a lot online so lot let's media. just get yeah. back into aquaman. Talking I mean, about aquaman i mean i do think that the start of this film is actually quite good it, it starts it, it, really strong yeah yeah the, the, the pacing feels right like the like the characterization the character exposition is good like specifically the bit where um um aquaman's dad meets aquaman's mom like that's that's a really good scene there's a lot of good like little funny moments like it, it's got all of the elements that are really necessary to kind of make a good good yeah. good opening film good it character kicks exposition off so yeah. so well like it, you can you get the aesthetic beauty you get um like immediate chemistry between atlanta played by nicole kidman and um i don't Tamara know morrison yeah but what's his dad's name I Mr. Don't Curry, uh, played by Tamara Morrison, of course. You get really good chemistry and really good performances from them. You get this incredible fight scene. I just want the fight scene between Atlanta and the those um, Atlantean kind of... Soldiers. Reverse submarine men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With their, like, water, indoor, like, out, like, land scuba suit things, which I think are quite cool. I think they were called Enforcers. Yeah. Atlanta versus the Enforcers. Like, that fight scene is insanely cool well yeah and i mean the cinematography for like all the fight scenes in this film especially like yeah. this one like right off the bat you see oh wow you're really kind of brought into the scene mm. like especially with the camera movement you're moving you're moving with the action that's really cool i was so happy with uh, the cinematography in this film is really really good for the most part yeah and in that scene as well like just the use of space and set i mean like uh, right off the top nothing in that set is unbroken by the end of the scene which on the one hand is like oh someone had to rebuild that a lot of times but on the other hand it's like they really everything was placed so deliberately and that space was used to its fullest extent by movement and by kind of like throwing people and everything like that it it's a really well thought out scene i love that opening yeah opening yeah. scene and then you get um, also from a character perspective, Atlanta is the one who's like, I'm a fight. These guys give me my weapon. There's no element of um, uh, Arthur's damsel. dad. Yeah, no of, damsel in distress. No damseling, but also like that. It isn't necessarily that she has to be damsel in distress, but in a lot of scenes like that, the woman just steps forward and decides she's going to kick ass. And the man's like, I can do this as well. And like grabs a gun and does it. But he's like, no, she's got this. I'm going to go protect our kid and takes on that kind of caretaker role that the mother is usually left with, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. And like just the look on his face when he's holding Arthur and she's dispatched all these enforcers is properly like, you know where this scene is going. He, You realize at this point he knows she's going to leave and it's really heartbreaking. And I just, yeah, I love this opening sequence. It's really great. So Atlanta leaves. Everyone is very sad. Um, and the next scene, we get like a brief window into kind of Aquaman's childhood. So a very small, because this whole movie is his origin story. But then you get this is like his origin story. He's at a class trip to the aquarium. Some kids are bullying him. And he starts like, like a shark tries to like break out of the tank to protect him. And he starts communicating with these sea creatures. And you're like, oh, this kid is not normal. But I want to posit right now, Aquaman is a Disney princess. He is a Disney princess. He has no mom. Most Disney princesses don't have a mom. He has a great destiny that he goes and achieves with the help of a love interest. He can talk to animals. Snow White can do that. And um, he sets unrealistic body standards because look at Jason Momoa. <laughs> and that's it. all I have to say on yeah. the Aquaman as a child scene. Okay. Kind of moving on. The next scene where it's it's what like 15 years later or yeah, whatever like yeah that. um like these pirates attack a russian submarine and aquaman comes and saves them this is kind of meant to be the whole exposition scene between like oh you're introduced to one of the main villains for the for the film who is manta 
And also you get yeah. a little bit of like, oh, this is what Aquaman's been using his powers to do. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah. established, oh, even though he, he wants to just kind of lay low and stuff, he's using his powers for good. Yeah, yeah. So immediately as soon as the pirates board the ship, they take ca- captives and you immediately see that they're very, very brutal in that they kill the captain, you know, for realistically no perceivable reason like that just like i didn't really get that killing moment other than oh i'm just bad dead but um then you get like this really you know kind of slightly touching moment between the uh, the guy who is manta and his father about like kind of giving him a a knife that's that his granddad gave him yeah but it feels so fucking out of place it's just like it's 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 like super like this is foreshadowing. You're going to use it. it, it well, it's, it's not it's just so, that. It's like, also like, oh, we have very little time to make you emotionally fault. invested in this father-son yeah. relationship. And it's just like, oh my God, just do it a whole... Like, this could have been so much better. It could have been, you get like these pirates going for a raid, them being successful, a little celebration later that night. Um, and he give, he has this amazing like moment with his father. He's given this knife. Uh, they're, a bit of their kind of context of why they're pirating and what they're trying to achieve is like given. And then the next day they go on another raid and then Aquaman stops them. Yeah, see, th- like that would have taken just as much time as some of these other scenes that they could have just completely done without. Like, yeah. It's... Ugh, like it's really really ham-fisted like it character really exposition is. and character building and it just it's like smacking you over the head with a we want you to vaguely sympathize with this bad guy yeah because black panther came out the same year as this this yeah. was released in the december black panther came out the, the february of 2018 and they do the best job i've ever seen of bringing in a sympathetic villain yeah and so they've it's like Aquaman have seen this and gone, shit, we need some we need our villain to have a have a daddy that he really cares about and this other villain needs like a cause that he needs as like a reason for all of his violence. And they've tried to kind of shoehorn that in, but the motivation it's so speedily and hastily kind of like this is his motivation, so blah 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 and then we da 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 past it. But so it the emotional investment isn't there, and then as in Orm's case, I just don't believe him. Yeah. Like, but no. like, I mean, I want to stay with Manta right now. Yeah, but that's this scene. Yeah, the, 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 as as you're moving through that that scene, Manta, you know, like Manta gets into a fight with uh, Aquaman. It's like, oh, I've been waiting for this forever. It's like, have you? Have you? What the like? <laughs> like, what, what what the fuck? Like, some some of the lines in this are so fucking cheesy. Really are. And then, they the, really are. Like, you start realizing throughout, like even the rest of the film that there's so many just cheesy lines that just kind yeah. of like completely like take you out of the like yeah. uh, of, of of the scene that you're trying to like that you're that you're trying to be fed to believe and you're not you're like it's it's trying to make you suspend disbelief but these fucking lines just immediately snap you out it's so yeah. fucking ham-fisted. I could not be more on the same page with you about this it's insane yeah. like no. i've got the same note i've got yeah. that line written down and <laughs> just with oh my god so cheesy like again if manta had been the main villain for aquaman 2 perhaps which spoiler alert in the cutscene at the end he probably is the villain for aquaman 2 as well but if they'd have just left him till aquaman 2 it would have been way better it would have been way better because then we could have had the scene that i just mentioned like we we could have had this whole intro scene as like a flashback at the beginning of aquaman 2 time has passed and now manta's got the equipment he needs to go and take aquaman well i mean mean, or something like that but it just i've been waiting a long time for this it's like no you haven't and then aquaman kind of immediately questions that they're going have you i don't know who you are and he goes oh well you know we're both on the sea so i just assumed we would meet it's such dumb dialogue yes shit writing but i was like gonna say you don't need manta in this film at all he's a okay the guy who plays him is a wonderful actor he did a good performance overall but again working with shit material yeah like every fucking scene in this film that had him in it you could easily push into another film and this film would still work and actually would be a little yeah. bit stronger because it's a little bit more focused. And it would leave more time to do a better kind of more linear plot and more payoff for the characters that we, lo- we lose time on because time is given to characters that don't matter, which I, I would have loved to see just a film, you know, the second film, we establish that 
Manta has serious beef with Aquaman. We see him come back to get his revenge for the death of his father. It would a whole film just dedicated to that, really drilling into um, Manta's emotions and stuff like that would have been far better. But again, like you say, the actor does a brilliant job, and I would say most of the actors in this film do a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. But he's got very little to work with i i mean I, I said this film is long how long is it exactly two hours and 17 minutes this film is really long and it did not need to be that it long. didn't need to be that long and it just i just want to see what how long was it before everything hit the cutting room floor it must yeah. have been insane you must have needed a day to watch it yeah it yeah the, the, there's so many issues but kind of moving along because if not this is this podcast oh, yeah. will be like two hours fucking long we'll probably end up talking more about it than the film is long you know yeah um but kind of moving on to the next scene you know uh arthur arthur goes back to um see his dad and stuff like that they have a drink i do did like the scene where they're in the in the bar and um you get a little of expo- a little bit of exposition about like what's going on in the world and stuff like that, and then the fucking really big like meaning to, uh, like kind of tr- slightly trying to be menacing like rednecks yeah. come up and they're like, "Oh, can we take your photo?" That was fucking the funny. drinking and selfies montage yeah, yeah. is very good as well. That was that was perfect, the, but like I'd... that w- I think that was like the moment of levity that like this film could kind of really. They could have done with more. I mean, they give Jason Momoa a lot of lines that create levity. And again, he's just, he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting for this film. Oh, absolutely. In terms of, you know, keeping it watchable. But, I mean, a a very serious, like, sci-fi fantasy is fine. You know, I've seen Lord of the Rings. There's very little moments of levity in that. And it takes itself very seriously. Uh, Films like that are good, but it's just... the superhero genre kind of calls for a bit more you know lightness yeah um and after this scene it's just left to jason momoa throughout the whole rest of the scene to say some sarcastic things and kind of keep that momentum going but just on that scene for a little bit longer again i like the origin story i like that kind of oh aquaman is you know doing all of this to fulfill his destiny as king of the sea blah 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 good plot hero's journey love it However, this scene is all we get that he's like a superhero in terms of the world. Like he's doing cool stuff on the sea. We've seen him defeat some pirates. We know the news is aware of him. We know that like people are aware that Aquaman is, but not who he is, uh, but that Aquaman is like a good guy kind of doing stuff. But other than that, we don't get it. It's all then the attention is fully diverted from the world and it's all into this fantasy saying which again is fine but for a superhero movie i'd have liked to see a bit more of like balance between his life on the surface and his life in the sea no that's the whole point of the superhero movie is like seeing these two identities like conflict with each other i i I agree with you i i do think if they did more stuff on the land it would have been a bit like i i I actually feel like they did get the balance somewhat right because it's like okay aquaman can't really use all of his powers all that well outside like a lot of like the big um big uh like the the, the main draws to aquaman are very much he's got to be in the water to use them like uh, yeah. yeah so it's like i i kind of get why they kind of leaned more towards uh, being in the water i mean i'm actually surprised that they had as much scenes with him on land as they did especially the scenes like later on in the film like in the desert like i was not expecting that i wasn't expecting the bit where they go to italy it's like like yeah see i guess like that's one thing i suppose what i'm saying with that is not specifically his his life or him being on the land but people's response to him and him being a superhero i would like more of that in there because at the moment like it's a secret secret society of people that live under the sea who are then you know kind of coming out to land dwellers and aquaman is one of them but we are dealing with atlantean politics throughout the whole film that is that is what it is it's not okay apart from like an abstract threat from king orm directed at the surface people aren't brought into this yeah like at all and people being like, oh, Aquaman will save us is not brought into it at all. It's just Aquaman has to go and, like, be the king of Atlantis, which, again, is fine. But I want to see him more of, like, 
the kind of this is my superhero identity this is my normal identity when we only really get this in one scene yeah i i i do agree that it is kind of just glossed over but i mean realistically it's again this is not a good film yeah again and we don't have time for it but again i would have taken elements from this film and spread them out over like three movies and added some other stuff which would have contextualized our characters a bit more yeah you know yeah yeah, and um, speaking of, you know, people and the surface dwellers being brought into this whole thing, uh, the only way they really are is uh, King Orm's first move against the surface is to send a tidal wave with all the trash and all the military ships back to the surface. And there's a really cool scene. Well, it's actually just a really cool shot kind of thing where Aquaman is driving his dad back to the house in their van this he sees the tidal wave coming and the whole scene goes quiet and then they start playing this really tense music over it and they're driving faster along the highway and the only sound you get is this little kind of slight roar of the engine over this building music and then the tidal wave obviously takes the car away i really really enjoy that shot it's yeah. very good yeah like the ship just hitting the the um Oh, yeah, the bulk, bulk out of the ship just hitting the rocks Rock, and just yeah. exploding. That was pretty cool. It's a very cool visual. Like, yeah. this film does very well on the visuals, but yeah. then we well, immediately it's... go from there to... And Aquaman's like, okay, I guess I have to be the king of Atlantis now. And him and Mira go to Atlantis. On the way, we get a few, like, flashbacks of him being trained by Willem Dafoe and explain what Aquaman's powers are. Like, he can breathe underwater. He can swim really fast. He can talk to animals. Yeah, also... I was so fucking weirded out by the fact that Willem fucking Defoe was in this film. Yeah, with a it man was, bun. Yeah, yeah, with the man bun. And when they like de-aged him, it was so fucking like kind of like uncanny. Un- yeah, uncanny valley. It, it just really, really throws you. Yeah. But he does a really he do, like he plays the character well, and he does he delivers lines in a, in a really good way. Yeah. But when he smiles with that man bun, it is really fucking creepy. <laughs> and I know. I, I love Willem Dafoe so much, but dear God, if he does that with that man, but it really uh, it makes me cringe. No, I, I, I don't know how I feel. I like, I like, he's a good actor and he's a very good, like his kind of costuming and his look and his like voice make him a very good, like advisor of the king. You know, you could put him into that role in any number of movies. Yeah. And he's really, really good. But um, yeah, it's the uncanny valley effect because also... Not just the de- it's the de-aging, which they apply to a few characters in the film, is always very uncanny valley. But also the like war when they're in the water and swimming and it's they're speaking and it's all like CGI and then the movement of their bodies in the water. Their that hair gets a bit uncanny valley with me as well. The hair looks good. See the hair the hair moving looked so fucking weird. It just like like I wanna know how they did it because like they it made it I don't know, it it, it just looked like the hair was staying in one position and they were just kind of like like that's the way that they were trying to get that effect i, I, I really See, don't, I don't know how to I articulate it, it just... at all i think i thought that the cgi on the hair was better than the cgi on like people's faces yeah, but enough. um we're going to be covering brave in a few weeks and it was actually during the film the, during the like, creation of brave pixar developed a whole so- new software to animate Merida's hair and it wouldn't surprise me if like a variant on that was used for moving the- everyone's like hair in the war and stuff Maybe. like that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my god. Like I, I just cannot like fathom how how much time and effort they put into doing the green screens for like the, like the, the underwater scenes especially like the bit where they're like going to Atlantis for the first time like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, like Oh god, I like it's so much green screen in this film and like I know a lot of modern day films are kind of more leaning towards the the green screens and less practical stuff, but I do think that this film could have definitely le- like used some a bit more practical stuff especially in like the underwater part on under, underwater scenes. It just I don't know, just a lot of it just felt so cheesy and just I don't know. Yeah, I can it, see what like they the were... technology's not entirely there, you know. Yeah, I can see what they were going for. They've gone for a very like, you know, James Cameron's Avatar kind of look for the undersea stuff, and they're they're trying to make it visually very beautiful, and I think they succeed. But again, it's it's not hard to make something that beautiful when you have talented 
programmers and a computer at yeah. your disposal, you know? So it's kind of, it's just not as impactful. Again, because we haven't had any build up to this, I don't care about Atlantis. Yeah, it's very pretty. And that's probably why I was like, came into this going, yes, I really love this movie because it's a gorgeous movie. Yeah. Really uh, gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, the only bit, the only kind of, uh, kind of feeding off that, uh, like you don't really care about Atlantis. The only bit of exposition you're given about like, okay, the history of Atlantis raises more questions than it fucking answers. It really It was does. just so like, like, what the fuck were they on about? Like, like, oh, yes, we became very, very technologically advanced. You know, like everybody was happy, blah, 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 blah. But we did this one thing and it destroyed everything. It's so like, what was that one thing? Well, yeah, what was that one thing for one? You're Inquiring like, minds want to know. Yeah, and also... How the fuck were you able to breathe water right after then? Because there's no fucking like that was ne- that was never like even yeah. remotely broached before then. It looked uh, as it's far as like, you can yes, tell. It was it was broached by they just went yes we evolved and like and it was like how fast well and like and then other people devolved. Oh okay when was that a thousand years ago? Okay uh, evolution doesn't happen that fucking fast right? <laughs> it's oh yeah there's a whole kettle of fish with that. My main issue with that scene is. I think at this point, people know Atlantean, like, mythology. People know Atlantis sunk. People know the 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 whole, like, myth of Atlantis was that it was this technologically advanced place that the gods decided had got too big for its boots and they sank it beneath the waves. Everyone knows this. It's been in the cultural zeitgeist for many years, popularised by Disney's Atlantis, which we will actually be covering next week on the podcast. Lol. Which is quite fun. Um, Because I also did notice a lot of this film's, like, aesthetics have been lifted from that Atlantis, which is pretty funny. It does feel like that, yeah. But I just feel like for the purposes of Aquaman's backstory, can't we just have, you know, we've got Diana living with the Amazons on um, Themyscira. Why can't we just have a population of undersea people? Why do we need it to be like, yeah, it's called Atlantis. We kind of can infer that it's that Atlantis. Why do we need to be beaten about the head with it? Again, that like origin story scene is not was not needed in this movie. No, not even close. Maybe if there was like some maybe again in like a later Aquaman movie, if you really want to bring this in, have something like, oh, the whole city is under threat because of something that happened during the Big Bang and, and Aquaman's like, what do you mean? And they're, then they're like, oh yeah, this happened when Atlantis sunk and for a thousand years it hasn't been a problem. This is how Atlantis sunk, and now it is a problem. Aquaman, fix it. Like that would be a good third movie or second movie plot. You don't need to, you know, shoehorn in this. Oh, by the way, Atlantis sunk a thousand years ago. Into this movie, it's not necess. It's not necessary. Well, I mean, it does just seem like they were just adding. Like, I mean, in not. It's not even until like the like last quarter of the film do they stop adding like main plot elements to right? this film, and like. You, you start realizing like right about here you're like you're starting to get it like they're adding more and more plot elements like in a way that's just again not really all that clear like like the next the next bit that they that they do that they do is they go to um they go to like they wash up on like the the uh what was the the after like North African coast? What do you mean? There's the whole big fight scene with oh, Orm first. See, that's that's how it's fucking how forgettable this. Is. Yeah, but also, I actually don't want to go into it very much because we've said already the fight scenes are really well choreographed and really beautiful. I am a big fan of the armor and the costuming as well. Yeah, same. But this fight scene was so misplaced, and again, the characters address that. They say as they're running away in Mira's ship. Oh, we're doing. We were meant to get the trident first, and then challenge Orm. And he's like, "Oh, so we're doing things a bit out of order." There was no plot significance to this happening now. We have no context for why Orm hates Arthur so much, other than the fact that he's, you know, his half brother. He doesn't know he's come to challenge him. We don't know at this point that he blames him for their mother's death. I would like more of that, please. First, then we can have, you know. Him chaining up and humiliating Arthur and challenging him to this humiliating defeat and all of this. I would like to know more about Orm and Arthur's relationship, which is very one-sided, of course, because Orm has all this hate for Arthur, but Arthur's like, well, I don't know who you are. I would like more context for that before we see them come into conflict. And even the whole point of Orm is he's this, like, lie. he lies. You can tell. I mean, another scene that we missed because who cares 
was him staging that attack to get Mira's father on his side. Yeah. And you can tell from the start, there is no ambiguity about it, that he was, that that was a staged attack. Like the first time I watched that, I was like, oh yeah, he arranged that to happen so that he would look like a hero. There's no, there was no other way around that. Like we know he's like a liar. We know he's manipulative. We know he's scheming to get the thing, but we don't know anything about his like real motivations. Like I'm like, why does Orn Orn want to be Ocean Master? Yeah, okay, he has that whole spiel about how the oceans are polluted and stuff. But at that point, I st- even st- right at that point, the earliest point, I don't believe him. Well, I I think his whole thing is like, oh, I just want to take over the the uh, the surface. Power. Yeah, That's a weak motivation. Yeah, really, it really fucking is. I mean, it just th- there's so many elements to this plot, and it just feels. Like it almost bogs you down a bit, like, and it's it just makes you, it makes you not give a shit about the actual story. Yeah, I mean, the well, the story is weak source anyway, but I would say, like, a superhero origin story, the plot can be kind of weak source because we're looking just for, you know, the start of this hero's journey, and we want to know who this character is. Yeah, but we don't really get that, and Orm is just, you know. Again, I don't. He would have been a really impactful villain if I believed, like I do with Killmonger, that Killmonger genuinely cannot see any other way to end racism. So he's like, I'm going to just go and fight it, and now I have the means to do so. And he's gone about it the wrong way, but his motivation is right. Whereas if I believed Orm had a similar thing about ocean pollution, I would be like. I would, I would want to, I'd be more invested in the outcome of this film. Yeah. As it is, it's just like, well, he lied about the whole fake attack thing. All he wants is to become Ocean Master, and he's using pollution and stuff as an excuse to get to that end. So all he wants is power. So I don't care about this guy at all. I just want to see him get defeated, which obviously is what we're going to see happen. But honestly, like, I, I much prefer like complex villains. And especially if the hero and the villain are like brothers and have like a complicated relationship on top of that. But anyway, I think they're trying to like replace that building up the relationship between the two with this combat scene. And it just, it's a cool scene, but it just doesn't have that same impact. And then obviously Mira and Arthur escape. And then they're going to the desert based on a a clue that some archaeologists found. And this movie turns into a quest movie. Yeah, it, it it does shift very drastically, and it, it it's not in keeping with the rest of the film. It really isn't. It Again, they could have made this a quest movie. It's like, you've got to go to this place and find this thing, and then travel across and find this thing, like an Indiana Jones kind of style. That would have been great, actually. Yeah, like a superhero like quest movie would have been cool. But instead they wasted all this time on all this Manta drama, and then this fight with Orm that just didn't need to be there. Yeah, and then they end up finding the 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 lost civilization in the desert. Yeah, but it just it, there's just points for them to kind of like snipe at it at each other a bit. But like yeah, it, I mean I get they're trying to build the relationship with the romantic interest, but of all of the characters in this movie, yeah, okay, Mira's fairly cool. She's fairly interesting, but. The other relationships in this film are more interesting. Yeah, definitely. And those should have been invested in more instead of this weird trip to Italy we get for Aquaman and Mira to fall in love and Manta to get back involved. Cause yeah, it, like I'd actually forgotten about him yeah, like, entirely. No, as soon as he's off screen, you don't remember he's there, but then we see him, he gets paid by Orm. So the whole the twist is that the whole time he's been paid by Orm to do all this stuff, to like get the sub to make it look like the humans are attacking the Atlanteans and now to um, find and kill Arthur. And he's like, oh no, this I'll do for free because I hate that guy. Fair, okay. So he's given all this stuff and then we get this weird montage of Manta like zooping up all this Atlantean gear and... The song that they use, I don't know what song it was. It wasn't good. And just gave the whole montage this really cheesy, awful 80s vibe that was just like, I love a good montage. It's been said a million times. Love a good montage. That's not a good montage. <laughs> no, I mean, it's kind of cool to kind of see him build it, but it, yeah. it, it just didn't really... Like, yeah, the music choice was not the best for the that scene. The song took me out of it. Like, I was like, what am I watching right now? But what else kind of 
took me out of it as well was the fact that then you see the end result and he looks like an 80s Batman villain or like he's about to start saying like Will Robinson you know it's not a good outfit compared to the amount of like work that's gone into the costuming he ends up dressed as the fly and it's just like okay maybe that's from the comics i haven't read any aquaman it, comics it, that is from the comics but for the just, most part but, but it, then like to match that aquaman in the comics is also dressed a lot more cheesily than he is in this i just i think they just should have changed that up it was not a good costume and it like took any seriousness out of that character i was like oh he's the fly now well i mean okay so they modernized aspects of arthur's outfit in the end they yeah. a- they modernized other aspects of you know other characters you know outfits but that one they just like oh we're gonna keep it pretty much very much close to the way it looks in the in, in the comics yeah but yeah I-, I do agree they should have should have amended it slightly although I mean, fucking Orm's mask that he wears, that's also very comic-esque, and I thought that was shit. I think that's quite cool. Oh, I thought it was shit. I really liked all the, like, Atlantean styling, because, again, this film, more so than a lot of other superhero films, which are, like, have sci-fi elements, then you've got Guardians of the Galaxy, which is fully, like, a superhero sci-fi action, you've got Iron Man, which has all the kind of more sci-fi realism type stuff, this is one of the few like it's more like thor in that it's a sci-fi fantasy and they bring those fantastical elements to the to the costumes and i, I actually really like the atlantean costumes yeah. i think they're really cool the, but they, they, just, were, they were they're cool but the, i just didn't like his mask. mantas mantas thing just stuck out like a sore thumb against all of these like you know scales precious metals like fins kind of all this cool stuff and then you've just got this fucking fly head yeah i will say the fight scene in Italy was, I think, one of the best choreographed and best filmed scenes in the whole damn thing. Like, the yep. fact that they used so many cool, like, film, st- like, uh, image stabilization techniques. Like, they were, like, they, like, for so many scenes, like, where they're running through, like, buildings and stuff like that, they've literally following the actor, like, the, the stuntman with the gimbal and the camera just running right behind him as he's running through walls. That's really cool. I also like the, like the tracking shots, like, like when they're like going, like they're on the roof. Uh, when um Amber Heard's on the roof and she's running towards the um running towards the water, you get like really cool shots where it's just keeping her in the center of the frame. That was actually quite impressive, and I really do quite think that they, like, they put the effort in in this scene specifically like that was like very like I, this is the most practical scene out of pretty much the whole fucking film like it really did seem and yeah like the bits where there were um aquaman's kind of like running like running through this uh the, the city as well like that also does kind of have like that's also well done the cinematography again was really really like really thought through for this and it just is really in keeping with uh, like really not in keeping with the rest of the film yeah it's again i got really strong indiana jones vibes from the kind of like running through uh, is he in cairo at that point um in the first indiana jones film where they're like running through cairo i got really strong vibes of that and that's action adventure movie and it just again there are lots of action scenes in this film but because it was like oh all of a sudden we've got to go on a quest it just really kind of brings you out of it again sticks out like a sore thumb it's an excellent sequence but it should have been in a different aquaman movie no i agree like it just didn't have a place and i think this is a really good time to kind of talk about mirror a bit because she really gets to like flex her badass muscles in this scene we can see her like power she manipulates water she's like warming up to and wine oh god the waste of all the wine broke my little heart but she's really cool and she like is she's a good she's a really good female like lead in this film i really like her and she's so she's she's doing all this stuff she's kicking ass she doesn't have to be saved at any point um but her whole motivation is just to big up arthur like you find out later that she's okay she's also trying to avoid a marriage with orm but that's it so she's instead of like trying to fix this problem herself and like being like okay i'm an atlantean i'm a badass i'm gonna go do this it's like no 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 i'm just gonna go get this man to do it for me 
and it just annoyed me a bit it's just like she's this really cool badass character it's like it's great to have a female character who kicks and is good at kicking people but it's just if her motivation is flimsy then that kind of it takes away a lot from that and that frustrated me but at the same time this story is about fathers and sons and brothers it's not the female characters other than atlanta don't really get that much motivation no no it it just is very very two-dimensional in terms of like her like her character is very painted as two being very two-dimensional And she's that, there that, that, to support yeah. the male lead, and yeah. that's it. That's a shame. I mean, I would also say that, you know, like, Jason Momoa is a fantastic actor and is quite good in this film, but at the same time, they even they even painted him kind of a two-dimensional two way. Well, there's way. no time to give anybody yeah. any depth because yeah. they're trying to shoehorn in all these villains yeah. having a backstory. Yeah, it's well, like... uh, I mean, it, uh, thinking about it, he doesn't actually, like, Arthur doesn't even talk all that much. Like, no, he really doesn't. No, it's, it's it's just really, like, I didn't really realize that until now. It's just, like, he maybe, like, in, in any other superhero film, they'd, like, his dialogue would be the would be the predominant, uh, like, amount of dialogue in this film. Yeah. No, not not even close. It, it just yeah, seems like exactly. it's all it's all Orm or uh, Willem Dafoe, which I don't, I'm not complaining about Willem Dafoe, but Orm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I We did actually skip over something I just wanted to lightly touch on, right? So... In between the temple in the desert scene and the Sicily scene, you get a little scene of um, Orm getting the um, the fisherman, the one of the other tribes of the sea, on his side. So to get Mira's dad's tribe on his side, he set up like an elaborate ruse. And yeah. Mira's dad was like not going to side with him up until that point. The fish people, he just fully kills their king. Yeah. Fully. This At this point, it's like, again, we didn't get enough explaining orm up to this point it's all in the third act we're like i blame you for killing my mom and i'm angry and things just like there's nothing that we've learned in his character up to this point that would be like oh i'm gonna stab the fish people because i'm a fish racist it's like what the fuck and also mira's dad doesn't go oh my god i didn't know our alliance would mean you know killing the king of our whatever tribe we're trying to make allies of he just joins in and starts shooting the fish people it's like what the hell that scene just felt so out of place. It's like, surely he's he's been built so... As far as he is built, he's been built as this conniving, lying, back-dealing character who's, like, scheming his way to the top. And for him just to be like, right, I've got one tribe on my side, one's close enough, I'll just kill the king of this one and then blackmail his, like, child daughter into being on my team. It's like, that's not in keeping with the character at all especially the character of Mira's dad as well. It's just, it's a really out of character moment. And I, ugh. Well, I mean, I mean, like there's not like, again, the morals and the, like the moral argument in this film is also just very vague and not really all that. Like well, it's yeah. not consistent throughout the whole thing either. I it's, mean, it's like, Oh, it's, it's to hammer home. This man is violent and must be stopped. It's to kind of push that really, really home. And I get that. We did need more of that. I needed to see more of Orm doing bad things. I needed I needed that to like want to root against him. But just build that into the character from the start. Make him slightly unhinged and violent from the start rather than... Because, yeah, he's trying to start a war so he can become Ocean Master. But other than that, he's not like done any of these like personal, very small acts of violence himself. He's just like being a power hungry dude. And a lot of people do that. It's yeah. just, yeah, war with the humans would be bad, but why would the Atlanteans think so? And it's like, yeah, okay, you have to have him do this violence against his own people for everyone to start rooting against him. But in that scene, they don't. They Apart from Willem Dafoe, who's already against him, everyone's like, okay, we're killing the fish people now. Let's just kill the fish people. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right, I'm getting really hung up on this scene. I think we should... We should uh... Yeah, I, I mean... Like we should probably move along because there's this is there is so much to talk about. Yeah, like this film is insane. Oh yeah, so at the end of the Sicily like chase scene, which as Ryan said, very very cool scene. It turns out like she's still wearing the bracelet that Orm gave her, and he's using it as a tracking device. Again, there's nothing in Mira's character. Like we don't see her form any sentiment with Orm. We don't see her like conflicted about her decision to leave him at all from the start she's like no i'm against this guy so why the fuck is she keeping the bracelet that he gave her she's like yeah i hate him but i'm gonna keep the shiny and then it's like oh, obviously he's tracking you don't keep the bracelet 
Ugh, that yeah, yeah, yeah plot bracelet annoyed me. That yeah, that that seemed like a really really weird plot device, and oh god, it's just it's just so shit. And then the next bit, they're on a fucking ship. Yeah, when they're in the storm, and there's the another villain, a new villain of a different type of fish people, more villains. That, yeah. that's what this film needed. Yeah, and then it's just like, oh yeah, they don't like light, and then they somehow are they can get rid of the light really easily like i, I didn't yeah, I, I didn't get that like it, uh, we don't like light which okay that's I, I, fine but I'm, i mean i'm pretty sure they're just blind because they don't have eyes yeah how can they see the light yeah <laughs> uh, again skimming over this like it just seems like a really weird like way to kind of introduce reintroduce um arthur's mother atlanta like that that's yeah. that's, the, that's the whole fucking point of it that's, that's, that's Again, what it was it's very like quest movie vibes and yeah. you can have these like monsters brought in just as like an obstacle think like um jason and the argonauts jason i was actually about to say jason yeah. and the argonauts or the odyssey or something yeah having that as like oh there's more villains because you know we're on a quest and we go everywhere we go we're gonna bump into more bad things that's fine but again they've mashed it with this family conflict war narrative and it's like just pick one yeah so anyway they bust their way through all this and there's i would say the the reunion with um arthur and his mum is actually quite touching because nicole kidman is very very good actress yeah but the look on her face is like proper like oh she's gonna cry and then they're having this hug and it's very nice yeah but then 20 seconds later she just says oh yeah go beat this thing for me nobody else is coming yeah (laughs) yeah it's like oh yeah i haven't seen you in 20 24 years fuck off and do this for me like yeah. it, that, that just seemed like so weird like it's like oh yeah we can't leave but we have to leave like right away but you're the only one who can do it it's like yeah what the fuck like yeah i mean that whole i i did enjoy that bit because it's like oh you have to defeat the monster and he's like oh i'm gonna defeat it by like using my powers and, like understanding it and then i'm gonna grab the trident but it's like that was a big moment in the film and it's kind of like glossed over like if it was a adventure quest narrative which at this point in the story it kind of is when he as soon as he took the trident out of the like dead king's hands the king's skeleton would have like come to life and there would have been some kind of conflict there so i was like waiting for that and it didn't happen and it yeah. was like so we just gloss over this whole and then he rides the fucking big sea monster into battle yeah which i honestly thought would have been a bit cooler as just like a gigantic like octopus or a giant kraken i think I it was meant to be the kraken yeah it wasn't a very good kraken no no having like a proper like classic almost um like lovecraftian kraken in that bit would have been cool that is yeah i loved the creature design in this i love the use of like whales and sharks and also like pleosaurs and stuff like that yeah yeah um but I will say, like, I would have preferred something a bit more fantastical because a lot of the bigger creatures become just, like, shapeless lumps. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do. I, like, as far as character design goes, like, I do think that they did a really good job, but, like, with, with the crab people and stuff like that, I feel like they could have used a little bit yeah, more definition. Oh my God. Like, like generally you're supposed to be able to like tell where you know a character's like talking from and stuff like that you're trying to work out if okay is it their torso that they're talking from because that's the way it looked yeah like because in their head didn't look like that any like unless but again going way too in detail there but it just still didn't it just didn't look right yeah i mean and also like to that scene so we we cut to like a really big battle because the brine kingdom are standing against all crab people crab the crab people yeah. are standing against Orm and they won't join him. And so we get onto the battlefield. Orm finds the leader who uh, Mira's dad is like, no, don't kill him. We need him alive. And he's like, submit to me. And the crab person is like, no, because you're a dick. Um, okay. In this conflict, all we know is we don't want Orm to win. Yeah. We don't have any context for the crab people. What if they're like genocidal crab people? What if they're like... Well, really awful. Well, if the crab people in South Park taught us anything, they are genocidal and they're exactly. very, very, very uh, d- uh, detrimental to the to humanity. So yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, again, I I don't. Orm's motivation is just I want power. So we're like, well, I guess we want to stop you getting power, so there's no war with the surface. But I don't know. I mean, like, it just feels like another thing that's like, oh shit, the plot needs to give Arthur a bit more time because. At that point, that culminating big, like, final battle scene should be between Orm and the surface. 
Yeah, yeah, Rather than between Orm and the crab people. Because we don't fucking know who the crab people are. Nobody f- gives a no fuck about the No one knows who the crab people are. And it adds more stakes. And again, it would do the favour of having brought Aquaman kind of more full circle. Because it's like him demonstrating like his allegiances to the land. Him demonstrating himself as a superhero who's like a guardian of humanity. And him being like, I'm going to be king of Atlantis to stop this bad shit happening. But instead, it's just, the, the land aren't involved at all. And it's just this like political stuff between the kingdoms of the sea. Which, okay. The battle scene was quite cool. And then we get the weird battlefield kiss between Arthur and Mira, which I don't think was meant to further any romantic plots. I'm pretty sure the whole point of that bit was just to show off the character's hair. Well, that and also <laughs> like the... the- the, the texture and you know, of the background and all that yeah it's like it's a uh, no it was to further a romantic yeah. plot obviously because you know at the end they're together he kisses her on the head or something but it's just like oh look at how flowy this hair is it's yeah. incredible I, I, then... I mean it, there's it's these little cheesy lines that like in this bit as well that just kind of like completely like again take you out of the of the whole like stakes building you know yeah. it's it just like this film is not good, and I uh, like I I know we keep on saying that. Like, the only thing that makes this film like really kind of rewatchable is the actors and actresses, especially yeah. Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, and Willem Dafoe. Who like, Amber Heard not is not going to be in any subsequent Aquaman movies. Yeah. So, but she did a good job in this movie. Uh, like I I honestly I think her performance was great. I think everyone's performance was good yeah. in this film. But it's just when you're given not very good like scripts to work with other than you didn't really like patrick wilson as orm did you no i actually thought he his he kind of just uh when he should have been staring at like like when he was talking to uh jason momoa he didn't actually stare at he like he didn't like look at at jason momoa he like looked slightly away from him like it like well you gotta think that's all of those scenes like underwater and it's like cgi and i that's what i mean about this uncanny valley effect that the underwater shots have on their faces yeah but but it's just like like a little bit of direction would have made that look like a little bit more normal i also didn't like i like the way he was like giving his lines just felt really like i know he's meant to be kind of quite imperious and stuff like that but it was imperious in a way that just kind of made him sound wooden yeah wooden or kind of just really like yeah like very hollow you know like i think again that character at multiple points that character would have benefited from just being more unhinged yeah yeah being a kind of more like mad king george character but this one has a trident would be a much better look for that character yeah yeah i completely agree with that i i that's a really good assessment of it i just i i just really thought that some other direction would would have been used. I, I'm sure he's a good actor. I, I yeah, guess. I mean, he is. Yeah, he is. He was a theater actor who then did uh, Phantom of the Opera in 2004 as Raoul. He's brilliant in that. Well, but what I didn't get also is like when they had him scream and he, they would just auto tune it and yeah. the, like and it just it just sounded like again really cheesy and really like it, it seemed out of place. Yeah, it's like they they're adding this quality to it to like I I think the idea is that all of these shouting is happening underwater. So they're trying to like make it sound like it's echoing through water rather than through air. But it just flattens it and makes it not sound very good. Well, I mean, a lot of the foley in this film was just really off anyway. Oh, like, like the, the swing of all the swords yeah. out sheets and stuff. Yeah, it just is like, that's a tiny ass knife. It should not be making that much fucking noise. Right? <laughs> like, that's that's like, you're, you're putting a leather sheet, sheet, uh, sheath on it. That does not make that sound. Stop. Yeah. Well, yeah. there aren't many more, like, points to hit, especially for me. So you've got the big Orm Arthur final fight on the top of a big Atlantean ship that's kind of surfaced. And the fight itself, gotta say, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that scene. Yeah. I, I, the only bit that kind of took me out of it was the goddamn Dutch angle. I mean, yes, I know you can use it to raise stakes and make it seem everything seem really, was cool. really important. But, dear God, I, I, it's just... Thor overused it and it kind of made it just it kind of ruined it for every other uh, superhero like, film. 
I am the villain and there are like blades in the background and there's a lightning and things. I really liked it. The framing the framing Jason was Momoa nice. does the superhero landing and we just get this very cool kind of almost matrix-esque fantasy-esque choreography. I I would say the choreography and the setting and everything beautifully blends that kind of sci-fi and fantasy genres. And it's it's a cool it's a cool final battle. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really really good. Really enjoy that. Everyone showed up to work sober that day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously, uh, Arthur wins, grants Orm mercy, and yeah. he is arrested and taken away. And then the all the tribes of Atlantis are there. The sun comes out miraculously because Nicole Kidman walked onto the boat because she brings the sun. Yeah, obviously. that 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 made no sense. You also. This being the the surface, it you couldn't actually clearly see the sun, and like the, the where the light was coming from didn't really make sense as well. It was off camera. It was yeah. coming from off camera. It's fine. Whatever. I mean, like all. I mean, I will say that this was kind of the big lead up for the the true winner of the story, Tamara Morrison and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, their storyline, this B plot of these pet of these like kind the of parents. lost lovers, these parents has more heart than the whole rest of the film. Yeah. I yeah. believe that. I felt emotional when they had their lovely reunion on the pier right at the end. Yeah. I, I was I, actually really, really rooting for that. Yeah. That that was probably the best bit of the film. Yeah. yeah. It really is. And it's it's like funny because the the bit that we've gone on about in a positive light mostly when talking about this was the opening sequence. Yeah. And that is the parents again. They're just the best part of this film, guys. Yeah. Like show me that film. Show me the whole you know, Atlanta, the like badass hero, and then meeting the lighthouse keeper, and show me, show me that film, rather yeah. than this film. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah. I mean, Jason Momoa, if you're listening, we'd love to hear your He's thoughts. He's a big on this. fan of the podcast. Yes, clearly. <laughs> okay. Um, given all this, Laura, how would you rate this film? Oh, I really thought I was coming in to give this like a seven at least because I really like this movie and I really enjoy watching it again. If you're like off work sick, this is a great one to put on because it's just you're just going to see some cool shit and you don't have to pay that it's, much attention to it. It's cinematic candy floss is what it, it is. It is cinematic candy floss, but I would probably give this like a 5.5, maybe a six out of push, but probably like, yeah, a five, I'm going to stick with a five to a 5.5 because... It's, again, it? as soon as you scratch the surface and as soon as you stop taking it at face value, it falls apart. Yeah. I mean, oh, y- you've got to pick one. Five or 5.5? 5. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to knock even more down. I was like, oh, 5.6. I'm going to go to five because, like, you just, again, everyone was doing such a good job, but they've just tried to catch up with Marvel too quickly and tried to put the, a plot's worth of three movies into one at the detriment of character development and kind of world building and all of those good things that the MCU does so well. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. I would say I was initially going into this, I was thinking, okay, yeah, I quite like this. I'd give it a seven, you know, but after, again, really looking deep at this and man i i can't in good conscience give it more than like a five as well because it's just so there's so many issues there's so many like like yes from a cinematic point of view it's really well done from like but i guess if you have enough money you can make you can get a good cinematographer you can make it look good but the writing for this film is fucking abysmal and just the, the overall direction like I I could see what the director was trying to do, but I I think there was a bit too much pressure from maybe the studio or something like that. It it ruined this film. Yeah. It really fucking did. It's like and I said earlier, I would love to see what was left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And if the full, probably like five six, hour six. cut I've... would probably make a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I do think that they should not have released this film at this length because it is too fucking long it's not really a good overview of the character as well i mean yeah it touches on all the points of aquaman and stuff like that and i do think it's a good exposition for aquaman to a degree but i i do think it could be better and i do think 
the best part about this film has been the cast and yeah. the, and definitely the uh, cast cinematography all really did really really well but dear god some of the more technical elements like the foley have just made this really difficult to watch yeah for sure for sure um do you know what film we're watching next week yes we're watching atlantis the lost empire Oh, yeah, because I did mention that earlier, yeah. didn't I? Which, um, I mean, we might go into why I think Milo is the true uh, Aquaman. Fair enough. I look forward to I look forward to that discussion. Damn. Yeah. Okay, I uh, hope you've enjoyed our episode this week. Uh, we were trying not to dunk on Aquaman too hard because we do like it. Yeah. Um, but we'll see you next time for Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Yep. See you later. Bye. Music was Potato Deal by Craig MacArthur. The photo used for our cover is by Rodolfo Clicks. Audio editing's by Ryan DeRoges, and this podcast was produced by Laura and Ryan DeRoges. Find us on Twitter at All's Fair Podcast, on Instagram at All's Fair and Love and Film, or email us at All's Fair and Love and Film at gmail.com. <laughs>